Good morning, ABC. Let's clap to God again today. Good to see you guys. Grab a seat. Grab your Bibles. Gosh, thanks uh, for being here today. So glad you're here with us. I was just sitting here as we were uh, just worshiping and just reflecting upon everything that God has done over these last few weeks. I'm so glad to be a part of a church that is alive and vibrant. Amen. It's, a, it's just exciting to be a part of a, of a, of a place that, that understands the kingdom of God and being a part of what God is doing. And it has been such an eventful couple of weeks here at EVC with the EVC Go Projects. We really had more than one project that uh, has been going on with the house restoration. We've also uh, been involved in providing uh, lunch and kind of a welcome back school uh, luncheon for our teachers uh, right across, right next door to us. And I just love being a part of a church that's involved and understand that um, that's involved in the community and understand that God is doing so much more than just right here. God's doing stuff all over the place. And we want to be involved with that and get in on what God is doing. I want to thank all of you who worked so hard and uh, were just involved in the Restore Project. God's just been doing a great, great work through Pastor Trinidad and Baptist Rescue Mission down in, in uh, just the south part of Fort Worth, just right next to uh, John Peter Smith uh, Hospital there. And, you know, a lot of times we have this mentality that, um, you know, that th- this is an, another world and that that's a world that we're not a part of. And I love what Pastor Randy and Pastor Trinidad were saying is, guys, these are our people. They are right here. We are a part of this. And God has called us to love these people and love them and partner with what Pastor Trinidad is doing. And over these last couple of weeks, what we've been doing is we've been doing a part of what our purpose is, which is extending God's kingdom. That's part of what we are, extending God's kingdom. We've been loving God continually. When you love people like that, you're loving God. When you love people like that, and we've been about connecting people with one another. And when you're serving and when you're working and you're using your skills and your gifts, you're connecting with other people. And that's what EVC is all about. Those are our purposes, and we have fulfilled that, and we continue to fulfill that. And so I'm just excited about what God is doing. How many of you were here last Sunday in the second service? Were you here last week? Okay. I can actually see your hands this morning. Um, It was a wild Sunday last week. Our power went out right after our first service, and we weren't quite sure what we were going to do. We moved outside. We started preaching outside. It started raining, and uh, we came back inside because the power came back on. We pressed on, did we not, church? We pressed on. The word of God was brought forth. I had so many of you say that that God really spoke to you through his word. The power went back off while I was preaching again. I said, give me a flashlight. And we preached the word of God. We read the word of God together last week. And you know, that's, that's part of being in a battle right there. Is just continuing to persist and not giving up and going through. And God's word went out last week. We're winding down a series that we started uh, probably about about seven weeks ago, a series called Trapped. And what we've been talking about in this series, we've been really taking a close look at just different things that have a hold on our lives. And for many of us, even as believers, these things that have a hold on our lives, they rob us of our joy. They rob us of peace that God has for us in our lives. They Many times they're bad habits. A lot of times we feel overcome by the world around us and we're discouraged and and maybe in some places we're just uh, we're just overcome by our circumstances, be it financial problems or whatever it could be. And a lot of believers really feel trapped. They really feel trapped. Like there's not anything that God could do in this situation. And so they live a defeated kind of Christian lifestyle. 
They're believers and they're safe in Christ, but we oftentimes as believers live defeated in our lifestyle. And what we've been discovering as we've been going through this series is that God has so much more for us. And God has liberated us and God has set us free. And God does not want us to live uh, enslaved and trapped by the things that are in our lives. He set us free, came for freedom in our lives. Just a quick review and, and then we'll get into the, the talk for today. But we've been, we've been re- just reminding you that we have some enemies. As believers, we have some common enemies. And, and just help us out a little bit this morning. Our first enemy that we've been talking about is, is this enemy that's called the world, right? And the world's value system that's around us. When I say the world and we've been saying that this is one of our enemies, we're not talking about people who are unbelievers, we're not saying that they are our enemy. That God has called us to love people, to reach out to people. We're not talking about that. When we're talking about the world, when Scripture talks about the world being this enemy in our lives, it's talking about the influences of the value system of the world. I was reading this week. Let me give you an example. I was reading this week, and I came across an article that said that there are more homosexual characters on television programs this year than there has ever been. Now listen, our uh, opponent and our adversary are not those who espouse that lifestyle. God has called us to love people, right? God's called us to love people, all people. Uh, They are not our enemy. What I'm trying to say is this is an influence that is in our world that is coming against us every single day. And what happens is in times like this is they seek to desensitize. The media seeks to desensitize us to this lifestyle. Our kids are growing up and seeing this and just kind of get to the place where, hey, this is just the way it is. That's what we're talking about when we're talking about the world's value system. We're not talking about people. We love people. God's called us to love people. What is the other enemy that we've been really spending time on? It's this idea that our greatest enemy is our flesh. Which our, our biggest problem is what? It's ourselves, right? That's our biggest problem. We've been talking about how oftentimes our spiritual enemy, Satan, does not even have to mess with us because we often end up messing our own lives up so much. And so our greatest enemy is ourselves. So you've got the world. You have our flesh that we are battling against. And then there is a third enemy that is called our spiritual enemy. This is Satan. This is the devil. And this is, as Scripture says, he is is this enemy of ours that prowls around Peter talks about this, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone that he may devour, seeking someone's life that he may destroy. And so we have influences all around us in the world. We have a battle that's raging within us, within our own flesh. I mean, we've got some significant enemies that we're coming up against. And then you have a spiritual enemy that's coming against you. And so you'd better be prepared for a battle. These final two weeks, as we've been talking these last several weeks about being an overcomer, we looked in Romans chapter 7, we spent time in Romans chapter 8, and those are imperative for you to know how to live a victorious Christian life as you overcome this enemy of the flesh, as you overcome this enemy of the world's value system around you. What I want to talk about now is this is also so important. If you're going to be a believer that is that is broken free from some of the traps in your life, then you have to understand this part of the battle that we're going to be talking about these next couple of weeks. And this is a battle that we are engaged in with a spiritual enemy. We have a spiritual enemy and his name is Satan. And I today do not want to glamorize 
him. I do not want to sensationalize uh, him in any kind of way. It's not to draw attention to him in this sense. We want our focus always to be upon Jesus Christ. But you need to know this as a believer that you are in an invisible war. There is an unseen battle that is going on right now all around you. Things that we cannot see with physical eyes. Things that we cannot, uh, you know, even in some ways comprehend. There is an invisible, unseen, covert war that is taking place. Scripture says this. I've asked you this. How many of you are believers? Many of you raised your hands. I'm a believer. You are in the war. You're in the war. You're in a battle. You're in a battle in, in this war for your family. You're fighting. And you'd better know how to fight this war. You need to know that the battle is real and that you cannot be lulled into a complacency thinking that this does not apply to you. It does. These are things that you need to know as you fight this war. Hope and I had just moved back to the Fort Worth area. We, we had moved to, or I'd gone to Brownwood. That's where I met Hope. And we went to Howard Payne University. We got married and we moved back to this Fort Worth area. We'd begun serving in a church and I'm just going to tell you, coming straight out of college, we didn't have any money. We were poor. We lived in a neighborhood that was pretty, pretty run down and, and very rough. And uh, there was a lot of crime in that neighborhood that we would talk to neighbors and they'd been burglarized. There was a, a low income uh, uh, housing unit that was close to us where there was a lot of drug activity that was going on. It was not uncommon for the police to be there on a regular weekly basis hauling somebody off. Okay. And, and we lived there. And so I kind of saw this happening on a regular basis. Well, one night, Hope and I were all already in bed. We'd gone to bed and, and there had been some burglaries that were going on in our neighborhood there. And uh, we were already asleep and this helicopter was flying right over our house. Police helicopter was right over my, it sounded like it was about to land on my roof, okay? And it kind of startled us and, and, and the, they were spotlighting and they were looking for someone, okay? It wasn't me, um, but they were looking for somebody. And they were looking for somebody that was around my house and, and, and it startled us and, and Hope's like, get up, you know, what's going on? And, and, and I'm like, okay, I'm up, I'm up. And, and, and I, I had to get ready. Uh, you know, I didn't know what was going on here. And, and so I, uh, I decided this, uh, this instinct of mine kicks in after I kind of woke up and the lights were flooding through my, uh, you know, windows and they, and, and it was about to land on my house, the helicopter. And this instinct kicked in that I am the protector of my home. Right. And the instinct kicked in because hope was saying, Hey, you're the protector. Get up boy. And, uh, that's how the instinct started kicking in. And so I grabbed a baseball bat being a baseball player. I grabbed a baseball bat that I had in my, uh, in my, in my closet there. And I busted out in the backyard and I was ready to go, boy. It was on. And, uh, the helicopter was flying over and spotlighting and looking and the light came on me and I'm like, not me, not me. And I've got my baseball bat. I was ready for battle. Here was a problem though. I forgot to put my clothes on. I was in my underwear. Okay. That's an image I know you didn't want. And I apologize now. I've been praying that God would wash your brains all week after I told you that. But you just need to know the truth. I'd gone out in my underwear with a baseball bat and I was ready. I was ready for battle, but I was not dressed for battle. Okay. 
whoever was in my backyard or, or hanging around and was thinking about, they were like, that is one crazy, bald, fat guy. I'm out of here. Okay. He's not, I, there's got to be an easier house than this. I'm gone. Okay. Here is the thing. You need to be ready. And we'll talk about this. Paul talks about this in Ephesians where we'll be. He talks about a readiness. Okay. But you also need to not only be ready, but you need to know how to fight the battle. And that's what I want to talk to you about these couple of weeks. You need to know that God's given you some equipment. He's given you some stuff to be dressed for battle. You don't want to go out there in your drawers, okay? You want to be ready for battle. You need to be prepared for this battle. And God has not said, you're going to fight this battle on your own. God has said, I've given you the very best equipment that's been made available. You've got it. It's accessible to you. And and so we're going to talk about this. And the reason I felt compelled to begin to kind of wrap this series up with this kind of talk about spiritual warfare is because here is what I know, guys, that when a Christian begins to understand who they are in Christ, they begin to experience the freedom that God has, has, has granted them. And there is a vibrant Christian walk that's going on, a real alive kind of, 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 of person that is a Christ follower and they're, they're vibrant in their, their walk and their life. Their lives begin to transform. They realize that they are no longer held in this trap, but they have been set free. Their life starts changing and the enemy takes notice. Remember, we said the last several weeks that a lot of times the enemy doesn't even have to mess with you because you end up doing a good enough job of messing your own life up. All right. And I do the same thing. Our flesh is a powerful opponent. And, and a lot of times the enemy doesn't even to mess with us. But when you start understanding who you are and you are an alive Christian and you are on fire and you're extending God's kingdom and you're getting involved in things like EBC go and and you're getting involved in ministering to the homeless and you're I mean you're just on fire for Christ and you're sharing the gospel and you're involved and you're being used by God you'd better be dressed for battle because the enemy takes notice he begins to take notice and he begins to as your life changes lives are changing around you in a you know, I, I want to just I want to give you an example of this. OK, how the enemy begins to take notice and how how the attack really begins to increase when life change starts to happen. We started a group on Wednesday nights and I've had many of you praying for this group. It's, it's called Lose It for Life group. It's a great group of uh, folks, about 30 of us. They're in this group and and it's it's not about weight loss, per se, as much as it is about it is about being healthy and, and being emotionally healthy and spiritually healthy and as God is doing a work in my life in this area and changing my life, God's doing a work in a lot of other people in our church's lives. And I'm so excited about this. And something I noticed that started happening this week um, is, and, and we have many that are in our, in that group on Wednesday night that are in here. But what I started noticing was there, there was this kind of this cloud of, of discouragement and fear that was beginning to settle in with a lot who were in this group. We first started off, we were on fire. We were pumped up within the first two and a half weeks. I shared with you last week that in two and a half weeks, that group had lost 75 pounds in two and a half weeks. And again, this is about spiritual and emotional health. This week, we're at 97 pounds reported. Okay, so we're continuing to progress. Yeah, you can clap. That's good. All right. It burns calories when you do that too. Okay. Um, so you can, you can, we're progressing, but here's something that I noticed that was happening is life change is beginning to happen. 
we're having to deal with some very difficult issues that maybe for some of us has had a grip in our life and and independently from one another. They didn't get together and talk about this. I've had different conversations from different people. There is this uh, like this fear that's settling in with many of them. And, and, and we know the fear does not come from God, right? It's not a fear that comes from God. And the fear is a fear of failure. The fear is I'm going to end up, you know, stumbling in this again. I can't do this. And the newness of the class is wearing off. And now, you know, where maybe some willpower was happening first, now it's really getting down to trusting in God's power. And that's when it gets hard. And so people within the class have been saying, it's getting hard. God's doing something in my life, but I'm, having to, I'm starting to grind it out a little bit here. It, I, I'm getting fearful. I'm getting afraid. And, 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 and that's just interesting to me because I know this, that many of them are under attack by the spiritual enemy because of the implications of them becoming healthy spiritually, emotionally, and physically has great implications for their family. And when your life begins to change, others' lives begins to change, what, I, what I'm trying to say is that the enemy takes notice of that. You've got you to realize that. You've got to know that you're in a battle. Church, when you are a part of a church that is alive and is not inward-focused, but is about uh, taking the gospel of peace to people, as we'll read about, to people all around us, and you're ready, and you're involved, and you're engaged in the battle, and you're doing something for God, listen, the enemy, the enemy takes notice of that in certain churches. The enemy doesn't even have to mess with some churches because they self-implode. But when you start and you get your eyes off of yourself and you start taking the gospel to people and you're alive and you're on fire, the enemy takes notice. I don't tell you those things because here's the thing. You don't need to be afraid. You don't need to be afraid, but I do want to say you need to be aware. You need to be aware that there is a real battle. When the enemy takes notice, the, the Bible says this, that as, as you're advancing the gospel, as you're, as you're uh, advancing as a believer and you're growing in your walk with Christ, the enemy takes notice. And here's what the scripture says, uh, that he is our spiritual enemy. He's called the accuser of the brethren. What that means is where Jesus is your advocate before God and has said, I've paid the, the, the price for this person. And, and, and the, the enemy comes before God and says, did you see what that person did? Did you see this? And he's the accuser. He operates and functions in fear. He functions through what is counterfeit. He tempts. He lies. He's called the father of lies. He's called the adversary. He uses deception. He uses discouragement. And you don't need to be afraid, but you need to be aware. We just came out of September, and in the month of September, we are reminded on the 11th of every month, uh, in every time a September rolls around these last 10 to 12 years, we are reminded that there was a battle that was going on that many of us didn't even really know was going on. It was a covert war that was happening, and we didn't even know who our enemy was. And we were attacked, and our towers fell, and our, our capital was attacked, and people died, and plane crashes, and I mean, it was a horrible, horrible day. I remember more than anything just going, I didn't even realize that we were really at war. There was a war that was going on and, and there was an unseen battle that was happening. And we have, as believers, you also have a covert enemy. You have an enemy. This battle, Paul addresses this. As we're we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 6 the next couple of weeks here. In Ephesians chapter 6, if you turn in your Bibles there, 
um, what you're going to find before we even get into the full text, let me give you just context of what's happening. Paul had planted a great church in Ephesus. It was a church that was on fire for God. And, they, and, and when they started off, as, and you find even in the book of Revelation, it says that their first love for God was strong. Now, they ended up losing that first love, and they were rebuked for that. But they started off, and this, this city of Ephesus was this hub of business. It was a hub that people came from all over. And in the book of Acts... What we discover is that there was also there were many uh, references to a lot of demonic activity that was taking place in this city of Ephesus. There was a battle that was going on as believers were pressing forward. There was a battle uh, that was happening with the flesh. There was a battle that was happening with the value systems. That's where the temple of Diana was and and, and uh, Artemis. Uh, and this was just this this temple that was filled with immorality. It was influencing and impacting their culture. And now Paul was going to say, not only are you raging in a battle against those kinds of things, but he said, you need to know this too. You've got a spiritual battle that's going on. Before we even get into Ephesians, he's Paul, you know, or Luke in the gospel or in the book of Acts uh, shows us that there was all kinds of of spiritual activity and demonic activity that was happening in this place of Ephesus. Acts 19, you don't have to turn there, but you can follow up on the screen if you want, or you can turn there if you want. But in the New Living Translation, here's what it says. This was just one example. Let me give you one example. A group of Jews was traveling from town to town, and they were casting out, what does it say? Evil spirits, okay? They tried to use the name of the Lord Jesus in their incantations, saying, I command you in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, to come out. So they're, they're rebuking these evil spirits here, and they're, they're seeking this. It says in verse 14, seven sons of Sceva and a leading priest, they were the ones that were doing this, okay? But one time when they tried it, the evil spirit replied, I know Jesus and I know Paul, but who are you? In other words, who do you think you are? I know Jesus and I know Paul, but who are you? And then if you read on, it says in verse 16, then the man went with the evil spirit or man with the evil spirit. He leaped on them. He overpowered them and he attacked them with such violence that they fled from the house naked and battered. They got beat down. Okay, this was a spiritual beatdown. I, I read this to you. Just, I want you to know this is what was going on in Ephesus. There was a real battle that was happening. If you keep reading in 19 there of the, of the book of Acts, you would see that uh, that the businesses there, that a big part of their business was crafting of idols. And whenever uh, the Christians were beginning to uh, really make this progress in Ephesus, that those business owners got upset. And, and I mean, there was a battle that was raging in Ephesus. So it was very appropriate for Paul to write in this letter to the Ephesian church of this enemy of the world's value system, of the enemy of the flesh. And now he's going to say, but you also need to know you have a spiritual enemy. Paul was uh, teaching about fighting these battles, this battle and these battles that would come upon God's people, battles with discouragement and depression and doubt and despair and darkness. And in, in parts of chapters 4 and chapter 5 of Ephesians, he's talking about the disunity that they were also experiencing as believers. He talked about family relationships. He talked about all these things that are really just very relevant in our lives as well. And then in chapter 6, he's going to say, but here's the deal. You've got a battle that's going on with a spiritual enemy. So if you're taking some notes, 
Here's some things that you need to know about the battle. I encourage you to write these things down. We won't get to all this today. That's why we'll make it a two-part talk. But here's what he says. Um, First, I have to understand in this battle that I have to rely on God's power, and it can't be about my power. Back in Acts, what did he say? what, What did that evil spirit say? He said, I know who Paul is. I know who Jesus is. Who do you think you are? Okay, there, there, is an, there is a powerful opponent. And what Paul is saying in chapter 6, starting in verse 10, is where we'll start. In the ESV is what I'm reading. Here's what the Word of God says. Paul writes this finally. All right? In light of everything. In other words, he's saying, in light of everything I've said in these first, the first part of this letter about relationships and God's grace and, and your battle against your flesh and the battle against the world system. Here, now, brothers, finally, be strong. In fact, will you read it with me out loud? Help me out. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his what? His might. Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of whose might? His. That's what he says. Paul's saying in light of everything else, he says, be strong. Now, what's really interesting about this, this action word, be strong here, he's saying be strong. Um, in the original language, this is, this is what's called a passive middle imperative, okay? Uh, let me explain what that is because you're going, I, I'm not sure what that is, and I wouldn't have known this I hadn't, had I not looked this up, okay? Here's what it says. Be strong in a passive middle imperative. An imperative in the original language is a command. When Paul's saying be strong, he's not making a suggestion. He's saying be strong. And when he's saying be strong, he's saying you need to be strong because the battle is real. But when he's saying be strong, the fact that it's in the passive mode here, what he's saying is you need to allow the Lord to strengthen you. That's what it means. When he says be strong, you allow God to take up this residency within you and for God to be your strength. He's not saying you depend upon your own power. We've said over these last several weeks, our power comes and goes, right? Our willpower fades. He's saying you need God's power. Be strong. Allow the Lord to strengthen you. In other words, you're going to find the strength that you need to fight this battle from God and God alone. You don't have the power within you. I know Jesus. I know Paul. Who do you think you are? That's what he said. What Paul's doing is he's setting a precedent for the conversation of the people of God that he's having with them, that it's their, the strength in God alone that's going to give them this victory. The emphasis here is, is on the power of God. So I don't want you to think that we're putting emphasis today on the power of your enemy. Your enemy is real. Your enemy uh, does have strength, and he is, a, he is an adversary that needs to be taken note of. But here is the thing. The power of God is far beyond the power of your enemy. He says, the power of his might. In this battle, if we're going to be victorious, we've got to fight with God's power through us. The bad news is this, and I hate to tell you this, but you were born into a battle that you didn't ask for. You were born into a battle. You didn't ask for it. You were born into this cosmic battle. There's an unseen war that's going on between good and between evil, between light and darkness, between God and Satan. And you need to know as a believer that they are not equal enemies. It's not up for who's going to win, okay? God has already won this. God is powerful. Satan knows that he is lost. He knows that he is defeated. He knows that he is inferior. He is a created being. He is not the creator. And that God is all-powerful. And so what he's doing right now is he's trying to take down as many people with him as he can. And that's how he functions. 
He uses people as pawns to try to hurt God because he cannot hurt God. God cannot be hurt by him. um, And he fights dirty. And someone that fights dirty, if they cannot hurt that person, what do they do? They go after their kids. And that's exactly what he does. We learned in Romans 8 that you are what? An adopted son and daughter of the king. He cannot hurt the king, so he goes after the kids of the king. And this is what he does because he wants to hurt God in this manner. Bottom line is this, is that Satan often uses people to try to get to God. He tries to hurt you, so you have to be strong in God's power. You have to allow God's power to work through you. So here's another thing. If you're taking some notes, I not only need to be strong and realize that the power is God's, but here is where the partnership comes in with God's power. This is your part. I must get dressed for the battle. God's not going to dress you up for the battle. God has given you the equipment that you need to fight the battle. Our coaches, they, when they've got the football equipment, they don't dress the boys. They give it to them and they say, put it on. You've got to go into battle. Okay? And that's the same thing. God's given you the equipment, but so many of us as believers... We just lay the equipment that God's given us over to the side or we don't even realize we have equipment that God's given us to fight this battle. So God says, gear up, lock and load. You're in the battle. Don't fight naked. Don't fight unprepared. He says in verse 11, read it with me out loud. What does he say? Look here with me. In verse 11, he says, put on what? Put on the whole armor of God. He's telling you to do this. This also is in the imperative here. He's saying, you put this on. You be strong in the Lord and you allow God's strength to work in you, but you must put on the armor of God. God's not going to dress you for battle. You got to put the the armor on yourself. I love having Pastor Trinidad here right up here saying, amen, bring it, brother. That gets me fired up. Thank you, sir. I mean, it fires me up a little bit. Okay. And so um, help me out, church. Are you with me? Here's what he's saying. You've got to put it on. It's your choice. Whether you're going to be dressed for battle or not. And these commands here that he says is this God's power is you. You allow this power to work in you. That's that's part of the command. And then part of the partnership is you put this on. God has given you equipment that is not inferior. It's the very best equipment that's out there. It does not need to be updated, you know, as our phones do on a regular basis. It is the very best. And it's always the very best. And so you allow God to be your strength. He goes on and he says, put on the whole armor of God. Read the next part with me. What does it say? That you may be able to do what? Stand. You stand against, what does it say? The schemes of the devil. All right. So you want to take your stand. And what happens is many of us as believers... We don't put on the armor of God and God's power has been made available and the equipment has been made available to resist and fight in the battle, but we don't put on the armor. And so many of us, we're knocked down on a regular basis and we're under our circumstances. We're joyless. We're peaceless. We're not making an impact for the kingdom of God. And he's saying, hey, realize what you've been given. You can take this stand For God, when you put on the armor, you're going to be able to stand against these schemes of the enemy. You know, I love this time of year because it's football season and I love the cool weather and I love that that people are smashing into each other and tackling each other. It's just a great time of year. It's a it's a godly time of year. I love it. Okay. (laughs) 
But what, what, what football coaches do, and we, we have coaches in our church, and, and we have those that, that have played football, but the coaches, what do they do? They look for strategies against their opponent, and they look for weaknesses. And I was talking with Coach Ab last night, and he was saying, man, I watch game films. I was watching them long ago, and I was looking at my opponents and seeing their weaknesses and seeing where we can exploit that. All right, here is the thing is that your enemy has a strategy against you. He knows your weaknesses. He knows your flaws. He knows where you struggle. And he, he, in other words, he watches your game films and he studies you and he waits for those opportunities to exploit you and to hurt you. It says here that, that you may be able to stand against, the word is schemes here. And this word schemes, it, it, it means his, his tricks. It means the strategy that he's developed against you. He uses, and this is his strategy. What does he use? He uses fear. Because fear paralyzes us. And we can't move forward when we are afraid. He uses fear. He uses deception. For my football people out here, that's called trickeration, okay? That's what they say. It's trickeration. He uses doubts. Where you begin to doubt the goodness of God. He uses delays in your life and you're waiting and, and your trust is under attack at this point. He uses discouragements and difficulties and disunity among believers. He uses those are his strategies that he exploits. He studied your films. He knows your weaknesses. So you'd better be geared up because the attack is on. You better know how to dress for battle. Guys, I say this, and I don't mean this just to be funny, but he's not this dude in the red underwear with the goatee and the funny tail and the pitchfork. When I was a kid, I told you, uh, I think last week or the week before, that I had this vivid imagination, okay? And uh, my daughter has that same kind of imagination. But there was a kid on my, on my street. We lived in Richland Hills at this point, an older part of Richland Hills. And, and this kid had told me that the devil lived across the street from me, okay? Of all places for the devil to live, it was Richland Hills, okay, on John Drive. That's where he was. And so I was like, he does. And so the guy that would come out, you know, I don't, I don't exactly remember what, it, but I'd be like, and he drives an old Cadillac. That's weird, okay? But here's the thing is we kind of we kind of think that it's it's kind of this, but but the scripture says that he is this angel of light. He's an angel of deception. And, and so he deceives and he's, he's not this hideous kind of thing that we're, I mean, it, 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 he is so deceptive. And, and, you know, we don't, we don't, we don't want to joke about him or whatever in this sense, but it's, it'd be like kind of, we don't joke about Al-Qaeda, right? That's our end. We don't joke about that and think, oh, those Al-Qaeda guys, what they wear, those cute little things. I mean, we don't joke about, oh, those Taliban guys, you know. And here's the thing is that this battle is real also. And we recognize it as a real battle. And I want to tell you some things this morning. And it's it's not to scare you because you don't have a reason to be afraid. Because God, the one who is great and and he he exists and lives within you. But you need to know your enemy. He hates you. He hates your family. 
He's called the destroyer. His mission is to steal, kill, and destroy. He wants to destroy your family. He wants to destroy your career. He wants to destroy your finances. How many parents do we have here? Raise your hands this morning. He wants your family wrecked. He wants your kids growing up, feeling trapped in something. As a parent, what that ought to do for you is it ought to cause something to rise up within you that says, not in my house. And that you're going to take a stand against the devil's schemes that you put on the whole armor of God. And that you realize that a battle is real. This word schemes, again, it, it, it translates strategies and tricks. And the good news is this, is that you were born to win this battle. You're born to win this. The Bible says this in 1 John 4, 4. I want you to read it with me out loud. Say it with me. It says, little children. Say it with me. Little children, you are from God and have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. He's inside of you, right? We've been telling you over the last several weeks that the Holy Spirit takes up residency within you. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And it says right here that he is greater than he that is in the world. So I know this. I know that I have an an enemy. I don't have to be fearful, but I need to be aware. I have to get dressed for battle. But here's another thing. If you're taking notes, I have to know my real enemy. I have to know my real enemy. And one of the reasons that oftentimes we walk around defeated and discouraged is because we are not aware of who the real enemy is. And we have have really have just kind of given in to some of the schemes of the enemy and he's under flying under the radar and we don't recognize that he's the real enemy. And so what we oftentimes think is that our enemy is another person. Or we think that our enemy is our spouse and the problems that we're having there. Our enemy is something that's going on with our kids and so it's a person. We end up, you know, uh, personifying it through another person that they are our enemy or maybe someone that's been critical of you or someone that's talked behind your back or whatever. You need to understand that's not your real enemy. So uh, oftentimes we may think that the enemy is maybe those that are in charge of the economy, or we think that it's a political party, or we think that it's the Democrats is the real enemy, enemy, or it's the Republicans, that's the real enemy. And so we end up looking at this as the real enemy. And and, and, and if we think this, look at what Scripture says in verse 12. Paul goes on and he says, For we do not wrestle against, what does he say? Flesh and blood. That's not where the fight is. The fight is not there. And so if there's this animosity or this grudge that you've been carrying towards another person, then what Paul's trying to say is you need to take that focus and emphasis off of another person and love that person and forgive and function in that sense. And you need to realize and you turn that animosity towards your real enemy and your real enemy it is, it is our spiritual enemy. It's Satan. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but here's who he says that our real battle is with. But against the rulers. Now, this ruler here, when he uses this word, this would suggest that they are in places of authority within this world in which we live. Against the authorities, against the cosmic powers, this would suggest that they do indeed have some strength. And he says that against these cosmic powers and over that are over this present darkness. The world that we live in is a place of darkness right now, isn't it? And it's, it's just increasingly a dark place. And we wonder why is this, you know, the world just, it's because of these 
these enemies that we face right here. And he says this, against the spiritual forces of evil. By the way, everything that is spiritual, we live in a, in a world that is becoming increasingly more and more spiritual. But just because the word spiritual is attached to it does not mean that it is godly. And so the spiritual forces of evil, this gives what this characteristic is like of those that we are coming against. They are evil. And it says this, and here's where they are. They are in the heavenly places. What this means is it is an invisible, it is an unseen battle. Satan doesn't fight fair. And so what does he do? He's going to put ideas before you and suggestions before you as he studied your game films. And you have to know the real enemy. You have to, as he has studied your game films, you, you have to be aware of what his schemes are and that one of his schemes is to make you think that he doesn't even exist and that your real enemy is another person. And so what I would tell you this morning, how this might apply to you, is if your animosity is towards another person, what God is trying to say to you is, is that's not your enemy. Your enemy is a spiritual battle. That is taking place with a spiritual enemy. And so this battle's going on. And there have been times where Hope and I um, have been in an argument. And we have fought about some things. And I've told you that whenever we are both living in the flesh, it's ugly. Okay? And we both want what we want. And, and we both want to win. I want to win more than she does. But I want to win. Okay? And, and it's, it's not pretty. And... and and when that's going on, there have been times, though, where Hope and I have recognized whenever we're in the heat of one of those battles, because we realize there is a spiritual enemy, there have been times where we both have just understood there's something more going on in this spiritual realm than what we're seeing. And I realize my battle is not with my wife here. My battle is, and, and she would say it's not with Bart in this we have to realize there's something more that's going on. It's not with flesh and blood. Here's the here's final thing this morning if you're taking some notes. You have to know your real enemy, but I have to use every piece of armor. All of the armor. And what we're going to do is next week, we're going to break down the armor that has been given to you. What is that? How are you? Dads who are responsible for protecting your family. How are you going to fight in this battle? How are you moms going to stand and fight in this battle? What kind of equipment has been issued to you? We're going to break it down more next week. And for a soldier, when a soldier goes off and goes through a basic training, part of that basic training is to understand the equipment that has been issued. To understand the weapons that have been given. And so they take their guns apart and put them back together. They understand the equipment. And we want to understand the equipment. And so we will look at that in the coming weeks. But look at verse 13. He says, therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand the evil day. That's not the one that's coming. It's what's going on right now. And having done all to stand firm. So. Paul, as he is uh, fighting in this battle, was the most famous prisoner, as he was a prisoner at this point when he was writing this letter, the most famous prisoner in all of the Roman Empire here, and he is literally chained to a Roman guard. And he looks at this Roman guard, and he sees all of the equipment that this Roman guard is wearing. And he says, this is a great teaching moment because this guy is prepared for battle. 
And he looks at all the different components of, of what he's wearing. And he says, I'm, go- I'm going to make this analogy of how God has called us to fight in this battle. So we'll look at what Roman soldiers would wear. And, and now I was trying to look that up this week. And I came across these Lego guys. And um, <laughs> those were pretty awesome. I will say they look pretty fierce. I love the look on their face. But, but, but this is probably a little better image. Okay. <laughs> And, and we like this image because it, it, it has the shield, it has the breastplate, it has the helmet of salvation, it has the sword, which we'll talk about the sword of the spirit. And now this part that I just want to hit on right here, it also has these shoes that are shown. And the shoes are this. He says, look, he says right here, stand therefore, as we keep, we keep reading, stand therefore having fastened on the belt of truth. We'll talk about the belt of truth next week. And having put on the breastplate of righteousness. We'll talk about that next week. But he says, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. Staff, we looked at that passage and we just started talking about it. And the word that really stood out to us was readiness. Gospel of peace has been given to you. If you're a believer, the gospel of peace is a part. If you are not at peace, you can't speak or live peace before other people. You're an ambassador of Christ, right? But this readiness of the gospel of peace, this readiness when opportunities present themselves for you to get plugged in and for you to use your gifts, for you to use your skills, for you to speak the truth of the gospel to people who are hurting. Do you see why the enemy wants to keep you trapped in something? Because then you have, if you're trapped, you have no credibility and there's no readiness with the gospel of peace. We'll look more at this next week. But this is just a powerful, powerful imagery that we see here. I want to ask this morning if we can just have a word of prayer together. As you realize, as you go this week, you are in a battle. And you don't have to fear the battle You have been equipped for the battle and greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Amen. You are ready. We're going to talk about how to get you dressed for battle next week. Father God, I thank you, Lord, this this morning that your church has demonstrated this readiness with these shoes that are fitted for the gospel of peace. The shoes, Lord, we know that shoes indicate someone that's ready to go, someone that's ready to move, moving forward, extending your kingdom. That's part of putting on the armor of God. Lord, may we always be a body of believers that have this readiness with the gospel of peace. Whether we're sharing it right next door in through a meal that's provided for the teachers that we love and that influence our children. The readiness of the gospel of peace as we pour ourselves and invest ourselves into Pastor Trinidad and his family because he has this readiness with the gospel of peace as he reaches the homeless of Fort Worth. We're excited that we get to partner with him, God. What this speaks of, Lord, is a a group of people that's not focused on themselves but has turned their focus towards others. Lord, that's when we get discouraged, when we get depressed, is when all we're thinking about and looking at is our own set of problems and ourselves. Lord, give us this readiness to go with the gospel of peace. It's part of this armor.
thank you, God, for what you've done in our church this week and in the kingdom of God and that we have gotten this opportunity to be a part of it. Lord, teach your people, protect your people, teach your people, Lord, how to be dressed for the battle that we're in. Thank you, Lord, that we already know the outcome is that we are victorious in Christ. That you win, that we win. And I praise you for that today, Lord. And I pray this in the powerful name of Jesus, our Savior. And all God's people said, amen. We're